Hello, I'm Simon. And I'm Dan. And this is The Wikicast, a podcast where Wikipedia takes us to a random article and we talk about what we find. Daniel, what are we talking about this week? This week, Simon, we're talking about RMAS Typhoon, parentheses, A95. That's very nice. How are you? I'm fine. I'm fine. How are you? I'm <laughs> good. It's been, a, it's been a little while. so It has. Actually, when did we... Lo- so we, we have done... We did a Christmas special, um, which uh, readers of the podcast who read us on Spotify or Podbean or wherever you get your podcast from may um, have not heard because we did that on Twitch and I didn't release it because I didn't think it would work as a podcast. But let me know. We can always put it up on like Spongy and Electric. Um, so the last one we did was Vermeer, which was just over a month ago, which is actually mm. less time than I th- thought it was. Yeah. Yeah. I guess a lot has happened over the past month and a bit. <laughs> We're in 2021. We've made it to Anno Domini 2021. Which is crazy and a wonderful thing. I've been looking forward to the new year, given how spectacular uh, last year was. Um, it's quite nice to, to feel that kind of turning over of a new leaf, you know. And in that time, we've had an armed insurrection in America. We've had Mm -hmm. a new uh, president. Uh, We've had Christmas. We've had a new lockdown. Um, It's it's been quite busy, really. Between Wikicards, that's probably the most things that's ever happened. And I suppose it's fitting that with all of of this newness um, and change, uh, that Wikipedia once again gives us something that's pertinent, witty, cleverly connected... Um, and by that, of course, I mean that we're going to be discussing discussing an ocean-going tug of the Royal Maritime Auxiliary Service. <laughs> Fantastic. Thanks, Jolly good. Jolly Absolutely good. marvellous. Uh, right, what was, it? what was it? The Typhoon. The Typhoon. The RMAS Typhoon, parentheses A95, was an ocean-going tug of the Royal Maritime Auxiliary Service. She was designed for ocean towing, rescue, salvage, and firefighting. She is notable as being the first ship to leave the United Kingdom ahead of the task force for the South Atlantic during the 1982 Falklands War. Oh, oh, that's pretty interesting. And for her fishery protection role in the Cod Wars. The Cod Wars was an unsuccessful uh, Star Wars um, (laughs) episode, I think. That didn't didn't get as much traction. Now, that's interesting because those listeners, and I'd be very surprised if anybody hasn't been watching The Crown... I've not seen the later series, actually. Well, the, the 1982 Falklands War is mentioned in The Crown as one of Thatcher's kind of defining moments. Yeah. How, how has the latest season of The Crown been, actually? Because I know a Pixel Girl f***ing loves The Crown, but it's not really ever appealed to me, if I'm honest. But how does this I, series compare? I really like it. I think it's very good. I, I, I think... Um, oh, golly, what's her name? Who plays Thatcher? She's in Sex Education. Oh, Gillian Anderson. Gillian Anderson, G- yeah. Gillian Anderson, yeah. I'm yeah. not sure. She is very good, and I think she gets, she offers a really interesting interpretation of Thatcher. It's not a caricature, and it's mm. f- it's very different to, say, um, Judy Dench's uh, portrayal of Thatcher in The Iron Lady. And I, th- I think that's quite an intimidating role to take Wait, on. Was that given... Judy, wasn't that um, Meryl Streep? I meant Meryl Streep. Yeah, I meant Meryl Streep. They're all the same, aren't they? Um, <laughs> famously, yes. Fam- famously, um, yeah. Meryl Streep. God, it's been a it's been a long day already, and it's only it, it, it's only five to eleven. <laughs> don't date the podcast. Don't date, date it. The oh no! Don't time the podcast. Um, yeah, I think the crown's been really good. I I really enjoyed it. I think obviously that we would have seen in the news that there's been lots of people kind of shunning it for 
just kind of falsifying history. But mm. at the end of the day, you've got to remember it's not a documentary. And I think a degree of artistic license is warranted. And I don't think anything is so kind of misconstrued, misconstrued that it um, is misleading in a kind of like a negative way. I think it, yeah. I think it's fine, but I really okay. like it. And I have, in, I, I have speaking of, um, actually, you know what? I'm going to save it for Critics Corner. Oh, he remembers how the show works, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, yeah. Big time, big time. <laughs> so, so right, we should probably actually talk about the Wikipedia article because that's obviously what people tune in for, mm, Dan. Naturally. You know what? I was shocked and appalled the other day, actually. I, when On our Discord, there's a link to the Discord in the show notes, somebody asked what were the best episodes to introduce somebody to, to the Wikicast. And people were replying with stuff like, oh, this episode's good, or this episode's good. Dan... I think we've been apparently we've released good episodes. I don't. I think people must be talking about another podcast. I don't think it's possible. It's to be the talking. only explanation because yeah. nobody listens to this and goes, "Oh yeah, this is quality. This is, the, this the, is content." Uh, the Congolium classic surely can't be uh, <laughs> up there as one of the uh, as one of the kind of pinnacles of podcasting prowess. I mean, uh, so I was actually. It's funny you mentioned that. I was just looking up the Congolium classic. Did you know that this is our fifth year? 2021 will be our fifth year of making the podcast. Our fifth year as broadcasters. Yeah, a professional good, broadcasters. Good grief. That's it's terrifying, isn't it? <laughs> I'm going to be I'm going to be 24 next month. Are you doing anything special? Well, can you do anything special for it? Because for, for people know. listening in the future, we are currently in a lockdown because of this we thing are. called COVID-19. Um I don't know. I'm I'm holding out hope that perhaps restrictions will be lifted slightly so i might be able to go for a nice walk or perhaps i was going to say drive to a nice pub but obviously that's not how um drinking and driving works um <laughs> good drive very to, good drive to, drive to a nice pub to have a, a capri sun um uh I d- yeah i don't know i mean it's the 21st of february is my birthday so it's not at least it's not kind of like early feb you know hmm. um but i think i've got some exams around that time so that'll be a joy yeah, you know, congratulations, you're a year older. Now spend an hour and a half sat in a room. Actually, I suppose they must be work from home exams, right? Yeah, I think so. And are they I open I, book because of that? I think what my, my legal method and kind of um, ethics and professional legal practice exam is open book. I don't think any of the others are, but the other ones aren't until like after this semester. So they're, they're fine. Well, it's just that the... Um... You know, how do you enforce that, right? If if there are exams from home, obviously it's just an honesty-based system. Well, I guess I think some things are doing like you've got to have your video on as you sit the exam. Oh, okay. Which is, I don't know if that's what you law is going to be doing, but um, yeah, it's going to be a strange, strange thing. But I've got, I'll have a lot to do. So it's going to be aside from this, aside from the legal method exam, I'm doing this semester taught which is fascinating public law and contract law okay which is really is that, cool is that every aspect of the law basically is there any are there any other aspects that you haven't studied well there's equity and trusts criminal law land law and eu law which i'll be doing later in the year <laughs> right um, okay so i'm doing like half um who would have thought law was so complicated it's crazy it's crazy but it's it's very very interesting i was looking at things the other day about um, using tort, making a tort claim for psychological injury. 
Right. So obviously, like, if you're, I don't know, if you're, um, you can obviously sue for personal injury, right? If you're yeah. in a, say, like a car accident or somebody comes up and attacks you. You know, hits um, the back of which, your car whilst you're eating cereal. We've all yeah, been there. Yeah, of course. Um, but you can also sue for psychological injury and trauma, which yeah. is a crazy thing. So, so um, how are you? So, for those of you who missed this before, Daniel is doing a law sort of convert. Is it a law conversion, or is it? Yeah. So it's yeah. called it's called the the GDL, Graduate Diploma in Law, but it's kind of colloquially referred to as a law conversion, and it means that if you if you're a degree holder, you can convert your degree uh, to a law degree, which doesn't really actually affect your degree at all it's it's not like i will no longer hold a yeah. degree in classics <laughs> and english it just means that by virtue of having stuck out three years of undergraduate study you can show that you can condense three years into one and do it in the in the kind of realm of law and so far you're enjoying it you're, you're, you're fine i really am experience. yeah i think the th- one of the biggest things is not only is it i find it really interesting and if i'm interested in something there is no limits to the amount of work i can kind of put into it i'm very happy just to sit at my desk for you know, eight and a half, nine hours in a day and just smash stuff out. Um, but I'm really, really loving routine, you know, because I've been without a daily kind of structured routine for so long. You know, I was furloughed for a lot of last year. And to go from working a full time nine to five Monday to Friday job to nothing, I now feel like, you know, I'm I'm at my desk at 8.30 every day. I'm working till about 4.30, 5 o'clock. And, and I, I've got I've got that kind of structure back and it's it's wonderful. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm just so glad that it's working out for you. But uh, yeah, the thing is, too. Dan, I really, really want to know about is the typhoon. Can you tell me a bit more? <laughs> we're, dragging you, you, we're dragging it back to the center of this podcast. I can tell you so much more. So the ship was repaired at Falmouth Shipyard on the 19th of October, 1979, and was also involved in the rescue of the Spanish butane tankner, tankner, tanker, um... MV Butasais, which was a flame and drifting towards the village of Brixton, Devon. The uh, the tug stayed as part of the Royal Fleet Auxiliary until included in the RMAS. It saw service in the Falklands War under Captain J.N. Morris, who is a uh, regular of the podcast, um, (laughs) with with an all-civilian crew from Portland Naval Base. Uh... And I, I think she's she's done pretty well for herself, the old uh, RMAS typhoon. I've got to say, like, you know how... I mean, obviously you give warships intimidating names. Victory, Invincible, Unsinkable, whatever you want to call it. Mm. Calling a ship Typhoon, by that logic, makes sense. You know, it's quite an intimidating name. But having pulled mm. up a picture, it it looks like a fishing trawler. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it it was in the auxiliary service, which is it looks like the kind of toy boat that you used to get as like to play with in the bath. <laughs> yeah, every child's like drawing of a boat, basically, <laughs> as well. <laughs> oh, did you know that the Royal Marine uh, Auxiliary Service um, it is no more? I did not know that. It was disbanded in two thousand and eight, and is now known as Serco Marine Services because it's been oh, privatized. That's not fun, is it? No. Circo. I want to. I mean, I did mention the Cod Wars. 
Yes. <laughs> I think we ought to just click on that link because it's too good not to. I think there's been several COD Wars, actually. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, the first COD War and the second COD War. Yes! <laughs> and then, of course, we're all dreading, we're all dreading uh, COD War 3. <laughs> yeah, that's which the one that is actually wants. Which is, a, which is alarmingly topical given Brexit and the state of our fisheries. <laughs> but remember, those fish are happier now, Dan, because they're British fish. Tell you aren't tell you aren't happy, British fishermen. <laughs> yeah. they're, they're absolutely <laughs> livid. Oh, who would have, if only somebody predicted this, Dan? If only somebody predicted that this would all go very badly wrong. <laughs> oh wait. So what can the you tell first... me about the Cod Wars? People who haven't heard of them, what were they? The f well, do you want to hear about the first Cod War or the second Cod War? Uh, tell me about the first Cod War. I'll tell you about what I'll do is I'll tell you about the first Cod War. <laughs> the first Cod War lasted from the first of September. 1958 to the 11th of March 1961. Oh my god! <laughs> you grief. Those cod had serious reserves. It began, yeah. It began as soon as a new Icelandic law came into force and expanded the Icelandic fishery zone from 4 to 12 nautical miles, that's 7.4 to 22.2 kilometres, at midnight on the 1st of September 1958. All members of NATO opposed the unilateral Icelandic extension. <laughs> the British declared that their trawlers would fish under protection from their warships in their areas, out of the West Fjords, north of Horn and southeast of Iceland. In all, 20 British trawlers, four warships and a supply vessel were inside the newly declared zones. Good grief. God, we're such a pathetic nation. The deployment was expensive. In February 1960, Lord Carrington, the first Lord of the Admiralty, responsible for the Royal Navy, stated that the ships near Iceland had expended half a million pounds sterling worth of oil since the <laughs> new year, and that a total of 53 British warships had taken part in the operations. Against that, Iceland could deploy seven patrol vessels and a single Catalina flying boat. That's the classic British Navy just flexing. Yeah. But also, like, why? What's the f***ing point? Why? The second, the second Cod War between the United Kingdom and Iceland lasted from September 1972 until the signing of a temporary agreement in November 1973. You know, Dan, what they say, that I don't know what weapons the third Cod War will be fought with, but the fourth Cod War will be fought with snorkels and sticks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> God, wow. It's just like, ah, there are so many people in this country that seem to believe that we are a global nation engaged in do or die global geopolitical conflicts. And the fact is, we're worried about Iceland pinching our cod. Like, we are yeah. not an empire anymore. Gammons, just please shut the f up. Get a grip. We're worried about the threat of Captain Birdseye. And his marvellous frozen fish. <laughs> Captain Birdseye, the, the, is, is he listed as like the uh, uh, commander-in-chief of the Cod War forces? Yeah, yeah. Amazing. With Captain Haddock. I just love the idea that like NATO unilaterally disagreed with the... <laughs> like, fuck it, we're doing it anyway, don't care. <laughs> they have like a round table and then one of the, cha one of the ta uh, chairs at the table, there's just a cod. That's a like, hilarious... There's a hilarious section in this um, Wikipedia article about the Cod Wars called Background. This is how the article kind of kicks off, right, after, mm -hmm. the, after the kind of couple of paragraphs about the Cod Wars. Background. It is the most generalised background. <laughs> so this is about the Cod Wars, yeah? Okay, yeah. Background. 
Seafood. Picture the scene. You're in ancient Greece. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Seafood has for centuries been a staple of the diet of the inhabitants of the British Isles, Iceland, and other Nordic oh countries. Oh my Seriously. Which are surrounded by some of the world's <laughs> richest fisheries. Danish and Norse raiders came to Britain in the 9th century, bringing one fish species in particular, the North Sea cod, into the national diet. Other white fish, like halibut, hake, and pollock, also became popular. That's the end of background. Oh, wow. God Absolutely bless you, fantastic. Wikipedia. Never change. Never change, Wikipedia, please. Um, right, wow. That's, I think we've, we've all learned something today, possibly against yeah. our will. I think we've learned too much. Well, Dan, I, I think with the successful conclusion of the content section of the show, we can now move on to non-tent. Um, yes. And I'd like to kick you off with something I haven't asked you for quite some time. What is your choral piece of the week? And this will be my piece of the week. Drum roll, please. Well, you don't have one, in, do you? In a, a, no, I do. I really oh. do. <laughs> it's very exciting. Um, I do have a choral piece of the week. And, and once again, as is often kind of my style with, with choral stuff, I'm actually going to recommend an album because it's too hard to choose just one. And they're all of a similar ilk. Mm-hmm. The album is called Officium, O-F-F-I-C-I-U-M. Um. And it is by the Hilliard Ensemble, whose name you may recognise, Simon, as they're quite a large choral ensemble. Um, They're no longer active, though, right? I thought they disbanded. Yeah, probably. So this is from 1994. The Hilliard Ensemble and Jan um, Garberek. It's a selection of early polyphony. So by stuff like by Cristobal de Morales and... Who else have we got on here? Magnus Perontius. Anyway, it's a selection of polyphony but with the crucial addition of a saxophone. They're not the first group to... Voches 8 did this, didn't they? They did stuff... Yeah, so they did stuff with... So, like, Talis's Te Luchas Ante Terminum in the Evensong album, I think, has, if not if not a saxophone, perhaps, like, an oboe or a clarinet or something. Mm. Um, but it's really cool, and it gives me... Um, what was the name of the sci-fi film... Go on. ...that... Um, Oh, oh golly! I'm having a total blank. You're having a um, strong. Who played Han Solo? Harrison Ford. Yeah, Harrison Ford was in it. And it's a sci-fi the first film. one. Ender's Game. No, no, there were two of them. And then Blade Runner. Um, yeah, Blade Runner. It gives me God, Blade Runner vibes. Danny, nice. you can say what you want, but I'm good. <laughs> yeah, very, very fine. It gives me Blade Runner vibes of this kind of. I think it's the combination of like the early polyphony and the saxophone that gives this kind of like quite surreal, almost timeless future, but not landscape. That sounds interesting because I, I do the, the previous, the only other reference point I have for this was Voches 8 doing this with stuff like um, Talis. And I remember thinking it didn't quite work. So I'd be interested to, to listen to this to see if it was just the way that Voches 8 did it. Cause they are a very specific sound. Right. I'm sending you a thing. I'd like you to listen to the first 30 seconds of this thing. Okay, listening now. This video is a fever dream, Dan. 
Not only do we have Penn from Penn and Teller as the bass in this quartet, the saxophonist is playing a soprano saxophone with some of the meatiest sideburns I've ever seen. And he's wearing a tartan cap. And this is all taking place in an Italian church, I think. Mm. I'll put a link to this in the show notes, ladies and gentlemen, because this is certainly something. Everything yeah. about this combined, the, the, the zooming in of the camera, the passion of the conductor, Pen from Pen and Teller, it's got it all. Yeah. It's I think it's an pretty... interesting sound. I know what you mean about the Blade Runner-ness. I do know yeah. what you mean. It's, I think it's really cool. It's very different, and I, I like it quite a lot. Yeah, well, that, I'll have a listen to the album, actually, because I do... I felt like I've been in a bit of a rut with listening to music lately. I, I think... Well, actually, tell you what. Let's, let's take a hop, skip, and a jump over to Critics Corner, because I've got a few things I want to talk about. Cool. So the first thing I want to talk about, Dan, is Soul. Now, have you seen Soul, the Pixar movie? Not yet, no, but I've been meaning to watch it. Absolutely do. I think it's one of Pixar's very, very best. Cool. Um, it's quite, you know how when you watch the start of Wally or the start of Up, and you know mm. as you're watching it, this is a masterpiece. This is this mm -hmm. is great. Even if the rest of the film might not be quite as good, I think the thing with Soul is it is exceptional, but it is in a more subtle way. It's not quite so in your face about why it's so great. I mean, it does look spectacular, like the rendering, the shaders that they use make it. You know, there's two planes to the film. There's a sort of a metaphysical plane, and there's a very kind of realistic plane set in New York and they both look mm. spectacular in different ways but the actual themes that the film talks about is so are so deep and are so well done that I, I, just, I just think it was wonderful but the thing I wanted to talk about was the music because I've been listening to the music from Soul on repeat uh, it's been so so good and it's an interesting mix of a guy called John Batiste or John Batiste I'm not sure how you pronounce it who's a jazz pianist uh, because the protagonist in the film is a jazz pianist. And that's the soundtrack for the real stuff that takes place in New York. But the stuff that takes place in the metaphysical plane is all done by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, who you might know as the people that did the Social Network soundtrack. Mm. So it's all quite minimalist electronica, but with really interesting textures to it. Um, and it's just, as a score, it's just fantastic. It's so, so good. And the film is amazing and you absolutely should watch it. Because you, you have Disney Plus, don't you? I do, yeah. And you've watched Hamilton, yes? Oh, yeah, of course. The lie detector I, uh, determined that that I, was a I, lie. I haven't, uh, I haven't watched Hamilton. <laughs> God. It's not like we had a month off <laughs> or anything. No, it's, it's fine. not like you can go to the cinema and watch. Hang everything. on, I think I made it. I think I made myself very clear when I spoke about Hamilton last time. I wasn't not watching it because I was too busy. I'm not watching it because I'm being difficult. <laughs> <laughs> I said I made it very. I made it very clear that I wasn't going to watch it because I it annoys people who tell me to watch Hamilton. You're going to watch it one day and be like, "Holy sh!" Yeah, you're Where's probably this right. Been all my life. <laughs> I will not shut up for episodes and episodes about how wrong I was to not watch it. But until that day comes, I'm not bloody watching it. Not bloody I mean, it watching was, it. It was quoted at the Biden inauguration. I don't know if you watched any of the inauguration. Yes, I did. I watched. The, I was watching from about midday. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, I did the whole the whole shebang. I saw the brilliant the brilliant Trump um, brilliant Trump speech that ended with um, the YMCA as he flew <laughs> off into the sunset to My Way Wait. by Frank Sinatra. <laughs> God, I detest that man. Uh, it was just really so do. funny, so funny. But you know, the, but the 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 young poet whose name escapes me was it Angela something? 
um, she was the first U.S. poet, a youth poet laureate. Yeah. Um, and uh, the, she did this amazing, uh, sorry, An Amanda Gorman. That was it. it. A wonderful poem that she recited at the Amanda Gorman. Yeah, Amanda Gorman, um, which quoted Hamilton amongst other things, and was it was non-rhyming verse, wasn't it? It wasn't. Yes. Yeah. It was. It, it was done in the style of. Um... Like a like spoken word poetry. So if, yeah. if if you liked that, and if people liked that, I urge you to go and look up a spoken word poet called uh, Anis Mojgani. So you spell that A N I S M O J G A N I, and I think he is absolutely incredible. He did. Um, there's a particular spoken word that he does called shake the dust, um, right. which is absolutely stunning, absolutely stunning. And it's really important that you don't just read it. You you watch his performance because with, with spoken word, it's so vital to to have that performative element to it. So, so just to go back to sort of soul. Um, that's yeah, been that was wonderful, and I absolutely think you would love it, especially seeing his music is such a key part okay. of the the plot of the film and the, the filmmaking um but yes. the other thing that i sort of really wanted to talk about um was uh it is entwined with soul and inspired by something we talked about a little while ago which is that i have now started going to a therapist which was something that i think i've known i've needed to do for quite a while but was yes. really spurred thanks for agreeing with me there <laughs> well no no i didn't mean that i was <laughs> i really oh, need no. to go and see a therapist yes, yes. <laughs> no hesitation speaking as someone who's lived with you yes because the things that you do to blocks of cheese should be tried in the like <laughs> i don't even do that anymore Pick, well, i can't walk do that anymore because i've been doing veganuary i haven't had any proper cheese for quite some time we get this like oh. block of foot smelling stuff anyway pixel girl does it anyway uh, <laughs> um this is a very serious moment a very big omission <laughs> just <laughs> you go come on come on <laughs> um yeah, so the fact that we talked about it before and you mentioned on the podcast that you'd, you'd started seeing a therapist and it had been immensely yes. instructive and useful to you. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I've got to agree. I think it's been the best decision I've made in, in a very long time um, mm. to, 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 to go and see a therapist. And really, it, it, it's so refreshing to be able to just sort of lay out everything that is on your mind and you think needs attention to mm. somebody who will, is not there to judge you and is not and there's no fear of them walking out and leaving you know in the same mm. way that if you talk about the stuff to your parents or to your partner or to your friends there is that fear of they're going to reject me or they're going to think less of me because of what i'm talking about yeah. um you know it's so freeing to be able to just talk about this stuff and get another person's perspective somebody who is only interested in helping you and is a judgment-free zone. Um, and, and that's not really something I've ever had before. And it's been, I've been, I think I've had four sessions, three or four sessions now and um, uh, uh, once a week. And it's been fantastic so far. Um, I've already sort of, well, actually, hang on. Are you still seeing a therapist at the moment? Yes. Yeah, I am. So how long have you been seeing them? I started seeing my therapist in around the beginning of october 
Okay, so it's been so a, f- a while, a couple of months. And we had a sh- yeah, we had a and we had like a two or th- two or three week break over Christmas and New Year, and then I resumed this week, and then like yourself, weekly sessions. And is this face to face? It's well, it's it's via like FaceTime, um, ah, because obviously okay. with lockdown, I can't go in. I can't go and see them. So, um, so the, but that's interesting though, because my therapist, um, I am seeing face to face, but sort of at like a eight foot dif- distance across a room because apparently it is oh, okay. allowed under provisions. Yeah. Um, but yeah. obviously, you know, certain therapists might not want to do that. My therapist basically said that he f- thought that non-in-person therapy uh, was just not as useful, um, mm-hmm. you know, which is a personal I choice, that. as I, I personally yeah. agree with him, but I know that it wouldn't yeah. be that case for everyone. Yeah. Um, so uh, it, oh, I'm really, uh, that's really great to hear. I'm so... I'm so glad, and I I understand exactly the what you mean when you say it's been like one of the best decisions I've made in a long time. Because as this, as you'll as you'll probably no doubt feel now, and as you go on, um, it's just the most incredible thing. Mm. I, I really, I really urge people if they've ever considered it and they think that it might be valuable to give it a try. Because because I, it's it kind of it's the gift that keeps on giving. It's not easy, but it's. You know, it's absolutely worth the, you know, worth the harder times, you know. It would be interesting to get your take on this, actually, because so far, the past couple of weeks, I've basically been sort of going through history, right? And sort of yes. talking about, you know, what what the deal is with me and sort of pertinent events and sort of unpicking yeah. them. Yeah, what's your story bit. kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I feel like um, I, I, what my hope is over the next couple of weeks that that's going to evolve into let's pick apart what we've been talking about and identify patterns, identify me- mechanisms that keep coming up because that's sort of already yes. happened a little bit. But is that has that been your experience? Yes, and it's the manner in which that takes place. So with my therapist, she focuses on conversation and me talking. I do most of the talking and then her role is to potentially kind of point out patterns that she sees as like a professional psychoanalyst Mm. um, and help me in probing deeper when she sees a connection that I haven't made yet. So she'll lead that she'll not necessarily lead the conversation, but kind of go, "Mm, that's interesting. Think about that a bit more. Or can you think of another time that we felt a similar way or, you know, and then after another kind of 15 minutes of conversation, I'll suddenly have this kind of epiphanic moment of like, whoa. Yeah. I see. Yeah. So I think I think that probably will that will be coming. That's good then, because that's that's certainly what I'm hoping. And, and it's already happened to a certain extent of sort of I and and it's the only possible when somebody looks at your life without that sense of judgment and can have all the information that somebody can say, well, there's this obvious pattern that because you've been living amongst the trees for so long, you haven't been able to identify. But yeah, and it's also the com- it's it's I think it's valuable to have a conversation with somebody who's not bringing any of their own preconceptions about you as a person. Mm. you know you you've you've never met before and you meet for therapy it's not like that i think that's why talking to a friend or talking to a family member or a partner can it can complicate things because they know you so well um and they can't help but take that preconception of you into conversation or it, take it forward wherever it might go mm. which is why i think a therapist is so unique and so brilliant in that sense um I mean, there was a, la- a phrase that I took from, um, I think it was the Greatest Generation podcast, and I, I, I know it's not original to them, um, which was that lessons are good, 
just a, just as a general concept, lessons are good. And I feel like often people would think of that in terms of getting music lessons or getting or going to a drawing class or going on Skillshare, mm. whatever it may be. But I feel like going to a therapist is like having lessons for your soul and having lessons yeah. for how to live your life effectively. And it's so true that that's just a good thing. That's to, it's just good to use somebody else's expertise and yeah. draw on their experiences to try and improve your own life. And if some, you know, if we've learned anything from this year gone by, 2020, I mean, um, how important it is to have a really healthy relationship and understanding of yourself is absolutely essential, not just in everyday life, but especially in times like like a lockdown. And it's it's essential because not only is it good for you and you know you know you to be in a in a self-loving place and a ha- and a and a safe space in your own head but also as you know the more that you can understand yourself and love yourself the more you can understand and love others yeah absolutely and i think that's that's so true you know if you if if there's if there's elements to your person that you know consciously or or unconsciously that you, you're you're not accepting or not addressing or not understanding then that will have a knock-on effect in other areas in your life and and if if there's things in your past that you don't um try and come to terms with or try and face um they never really go away and it's not just a case of something it just sits there in a drawer and then you you know you try and address it as and when you want to it's something that you constantly carry and it means that if there's ever a situation that you get into where there's another particularly, you know, I hesitate to use the word traumatic, but I think it's perfectly fine to use that word. All of those events build up and, and you, you, it's easier and easier to respond in a more and more negative and potentially damaging way because you're constantly having to carry all of the other stuff that you've been carrying and not accepting before. Yeah. That's what I found is the most kind of, both simultaneously kind of frightening and liberating thing because you really you know how you know how much of a kind of big deal it is to be working through certain things but then also you're realizing that by working through those things you're making things easier and you're coming to understand all this other stuff that at the time you couldn't understand because you were carry you had such a, a heavy backpack you know it's like you're slowly 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 starting to unload the things yeah. Um, and kind of set them free and it's just wonderful I'm really really glad to hear that that's that's fantastic news well it's something that um, I'm going to make a video about this I think because I feel like people on the internet have gotten quite good at saying holding their hands up when they you know I have a problem and you know mental health is something that we should be talking about and it's not something to be ashamed of. I feel like as an in, as as a whole, the internet community has gotten a lot better at doing that. But perhaps mm. what is missing is that next step of what do we do about that? What is a constructive way of acknowledging the problem and moving forwards? Um, mm. And obviously, I think because that is arguably a more intensely personal thing, because you're unpacking, as you say, like a lot of trauma from the past. Um that people might be less willing to share that bit. And I'm not going to make a video talking about everything that I've talked about in therapy, but I feel like it is important, and it's why I mentioned it here, to show people that, you know, it, it's that first step and emphasizing that you're not alone in that process. Your therapist is going with you and take, leading you by the hand. You're doing the work, but they are showing you where to go. 
and how possible it is to do that and how rewarding it is to do that. And that's perhaps something mm. that's missing from the discourse at the moment. Mm. Yeah, that was I, I wanted to review therapy if a critics corner and my review is therapy is good. <laughs> Basically. Absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> Not necessarily easy, but good. Um, yeah. And also tell you what's good on a completely J-turning this conversation is Star Wars mm. Battlefront 2, the original 2005 edition. <laughs> Oh yeah, I never played that. Did you not? I had friends. I had friends who played it, and I, I think I might have like watched them if I was at their house or something. But I never played it myself. Oh, so it's dead cheap on on. Um, I think you can get it on Steam for like a fiver. I think you can get it on other parts of the internet f- for less than that. Um, <laughs> I'm sure you can. Um, and um, basically, we did a stream yesterday to d- thoroughly date the stream, uh, which was uh, the back row, as we're calling ourselves now. The um, like me, Hugo, nice. Ed, Dan V, people like that. Uh, yeah. and we were an Adam and we were all in a massive community server with, with like 50 people from the community uh, and it was I was grinning ear to ear the entire time it was the most fun I've had in ages so I think we're going to do it again next week so if you haven't played it before you absolutely should get it because it is it's iconic for a reason Dan and it makes 2000 and f- the 2005 one did you say yeah the 2005 one so it will run on any computer or run on a fridge these days probably um i wonder if it'll run on a mac yeah definitely definitely well let me put it like this when i tried to set up the server initially i had a problem because it would only allow four people on at a time because it assumed that my internet connection was throttled to 128 kilobits right so i had to be like no it's a bit faster than that um and then suddenly i could have 50 people on but yeah it definitely definitely get it and you, there's a great campaign and there's a good like galactic conquest mode and it's it's just a fantastic game i love it and if i wouldn't be i'd be remiss to not mention it in critics corner <laughs> that's an invite to people who are listening to this to dan to join us in the in the voice chat and play the game perhaps we can teach him how to play and then also people mm. who are listening if you missed the last stream it looks like we're going to be doing it perhaps regularly um so make sure you join the discord and we'll be posting the info there probably on thursdays but yeah, there you go. That's 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 the joy in my life at the moment. <laughs> you know what's not a joy in my life though, Daniel? Oh no, don't do it. It's the A <laughs> It's the no, user no, interface. No, please. For the best website in the world, it's Patreon Corner! Top lad! So it's that time again when we find ourselves in Patreon corner. This is an absolutely indispensable area of the podcast where we say an enormous thank you to those of us who support um, this ridiculous thing that we do. Without your support, this podcast simply wouldn't function. Um, Not only could we not pay for hosting, but for all of the other silly little things we do like merch and the video that we will eventually film with us trying drink from around the world um, God, I just I just... just want what lockdown to end we have so much Patreon money and goodwill that's built up and yeah. I just want to use it <laughs> this is the year for fun videos and we'll do another line of merch this year for sure yeah I um, just... and it's it's going to be it's going to be wild but without further ado I'd like to say a massive thank you to the clear uh, supreme um, supporters. Those are, of course, the top dogs. So I would like to say a massive thank you to um, Naf Laroch, uh, Hasse Hansen, Aaron Jorgensen, Remnar, Lexi at Front Desk, Eve Sharples, Alistair Fortune, Peter Reed, Maggie, Colin J. Brown, Codso, Ben McMurtry, Jay Wright, and Eric Bolliger. Thank you so much. I have, I would like to thank the actual supreme beings uh, on the entire 
plane of existence. Uh, of course, the people that donate $5 a month at the Wikicast Patreon. Uh, top cat. And those people, there's a lot more of them because obviously these people have good taste. Those people are... <gasps> Okay, I took too much breath at once. <laughs> you know that? You know in um, is it uh, Radioactive by Imagine Dragons? Where it's like, mm -hmm. I'm breathing in the chemicals. <gasps> that was me. <laughs> nice. uh, right. Thank you very much too. I was about to try and sing it as that. Of course, really, we should be trying to sing them as a sea shanty. Um, but I, I'm not talented enough to do that, so that's not going to happen. Uh, thank you very much to Dan Hanvey, Matt McGuire, Isabel Ostrowski, Bendit, Choco Cat, Princess Andromeda, Cole Mansfield, Omar Mirando, Easy, Oliver Burkhardt, Rens Kirk, Will Jennis Humphreys, Oliver Craigie, Layla Medina, River Ward, Christopher Betterton, Naffy Iftikar, Tom Withington, Jack Easton, Izzy Christie, Simon P, Thomas Hill, Abu El Ella, The Physics Boy, Violet Hatch, Oliver, and Elliot Conway. You make the best non-tent on the internet possible. Thank you very much for your ill-advised financial support. Top lad. Daniel, would you like to pick the first email of the day? I'd love to. Good. Our first catch of the day. <laughs> ba, 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 ba. <laughs> he says that. Right. Go back and watch Empire Strikes Back. That commander on the Star Destroyer says that line so weirdly. It sounds like a robot. It's genuine. The intonation is good. Our first catch of the day. <laughs> Sir, rebel ships are coming into our sector. Good. Our first catch of the day. We've uh, we've got an email here from Keegan. Um, and it is titled Merry Colombian Christmas. It wouldn't be the Wikicast if we weren't answer <laughs> answering uh, Christmas emails toward the end of January. We've, it's um, been busy. <laughs> it's been very busy. Uh, Keegan writes, Oh dear, though I consider myself to be a regular reader, I confess that I've fallen behind a couple of episodes in the midst of everything this year. I do watch Simon's videos, however, and apparently that is enough for both of you to worm your way into my subconscious or pay me a divine visit, depending on how you look at it. <laughs> the Annunciation featuring us two. Yeah. You um, you visited me in my dreams last night. You oh. both travelled to Washington State, where I live, to see me for Christmas. Hey. Simon gave us the most beautiful, delightful gift, though I can't recall wh whatsoever it was. <laughs> and then you both lamented that you wouldn't be able to visit next year as you planned to go camping together in Colombia for Christmas. <laughs> anyway, I hope you're managing your Decembers all right and finishing your year well. Happy solstice, by the way, and may more light come your way soon. Feliz Navidad. Keegan, aged all too much this year. Very good, ah, Keegan. So same you all. Uh, Merry Christmas to you too. Happy New Year. I hope you're well. And I can't believe that you have predicted. Simon, I think we may as well announce it now. We are actually going camping together in Colombia for Christmas 2021. I can't believe it. I'm very excited. And that's why we had that email about cold weather gear. If we, in, in the spam, yes. Uh, <laughs> if we, uh, if we reach a certain threshold on the Patreon, do we want to say, like, if we get... $2,000 a month, we will go to Colombia and go camping. If we get, no, no. If we get $2,000 a month, we'll go to, like, Antarctica and go camping. There we go, do, we're gonna, we're... I'm going to update the Patreon right now. At the, mo <laughs> at the moment, uh, we have relative, I think we have one goal on our Patreon, which is $500 a month, and that's for you to wear a gimp suit in a video. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's well, just... it's just sitting in the corner gathering dust, so it would be nice to get it out. Yeah, we've got to, guys, we've got to reach that target. <laughs> Let me just Stay add that. $2,000 a month. Dan and Simon go camping in Antarctica. Let's uh, Brilliant. just add that one. Um, whilst I'm doing this, Dan, well, how about you go back to back on emails? Let, what, yeah, read out another it. one for me. 
We've got another one here from uh, Martin titled International Christmas Music. International Christmas Music. (laughs) Exactly. Hello, Daniel the Spaniel and Simon the Siberian. Brackets, cat. (laughs) Happy holidays. (laughs) (laughs) Happy holidays and I hope your week's been fabulously festive. This might be a tad late, but I've just finished reading the most recent podcast, Postgraduate School Finals. When I heard uh, you two were interested in uh, in international Christmas music, I immediately thought of a song I had to share. To provide some context, I live in the United States, but my parents grew up in the Philippines. Every Christmas day, we kick off by listening to Pasco Na by Bukas Palad. Uh, Despite not understanding most of the words, I find the song incredibly beautiful. The group is relatively famous, Filipino contemporary choir-esque Catholic singing group. The English translation of the title is It's Christmas... And the group's name means open palm. Given the two of given the two of your inclinations to choir music, I thought this would be especially fitting. Hope you enjoy the song, and I wish you all the best. Warm regards, Martin, aged seven hundred and seventy-seven million six hundred and eighty-six thousand four hundred seconds and counting. And well, it's probably out of date by now. But well, Martin, I'm really glad that it's still counting. That's that's great news. And he's provided a link to Pasco Na, and I'm going to click on that now. Palad. That sounds like an elven character from Tolkien. Hey, where was this from? It's if they're a Filipino group, right? Oh, this is nice. It is. This is actually really quite relaxing. Cool harmony. Yeah. That's it's kind of it's kind of Lauritsen-esque. I was thinking that. Yeah. It's, it has got that aspect to it. Yeah. What a brilliant suggestion, Martin. Thanks very much. I like that a lot. There's something to be said about listening to music in languages where you don't understand any of it. Which, you know, you could argue is Latin. Um, but, yeah, you know, you just you that could. part of your brain just sort of switches off, which I guess is why K-pop might be so popular in the West. Like, yeah. you just focus on the melody and the harmony. And incidentally, in Korea, no one actually understands K-pop. No one. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. You can you can argue with me all you like. It's, it's like I have it on very good authority. I mean, oh god, being in Korea, that was the one of the weirdest things, seeing the how cult like the stuff to do with mm. K-pop was and all the the post-it notes in the subway left on their billboards saying happy birthday to members like oh, it was it was crazy. Strange, very strange. But you know, if it Who was members and why was everyone celebrating his birthday as well while you were there? God's sakes. Right. Thank you very much to Anne Bills, who has sent us a lovely email called Poetry Recommendations. Um, dear Dr. Clark and Mrs. Moore, long-time reader, first-time writer here. First of all, I hope you had a lovely Christmas, given the circumstances. I'm writing to you because I need help. I really hope this wasn't time-dependent. You sent this about a month ago. Uh, as you may have already guessed, it's about poetry. I study English and history at a German university. Unfortunately, when it comes to literature, we only ever deal with books or theoretical texts, not poetry. I haven't been very interested in poetry so far but a few weeks ago my friend started reading me one or two of his favorites this managed to spark my interest but honestly i have no idea where to start there is just way too much i was hoping you and especially dan obviously what are you saying uh could maybe give me a few recommendations i'm not very interested in modern day stuff and also not very ancient stuff hoping this is somewhat though not very helpful also, if you have any recommendations for theoretical books about poetry or any tips yourself about how to read poetry, I'd be really, 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 really thankful. Maybe we should send a thesaurus as well. Best wishes, Anne, 7,505 days and 11 hours and 780 minutes old. Love the commitment. P.S. Really love to hear some non-tent after the long void of nothingness. Also, sorry for any grammatical or sparing errors. I was way too tired to reread the mail. Well, Dan, 
Over to you. Golly. Well, I would highly, highly recommend. Um, now I'm just going to Google the sel- the selection of anthologies because right. So there is a there is a poetry anthology called Staying Alive. Um, bless you. Um, I was just laughing. Staying alive. Real, <laughs> real, um, real poems for unreal times. It's edited by Neil Astley, and there's a series of these books, and they're absolutely brilliant. They give a really, really broad selection of many and varied poets, um, which I think is great because it means that if you really latch on to a particular one that you like, then you can you can jump right in. Um, I would also. Yeah, there's another book called The Poetry Pharmacy, which is a beautiful, beautiful book and a really, really brilliant idea whereby um, it's called the, the Poetry Pharmacy, Tried and True Prescriptions for the Heart, Mind and Soul. And you treat the book like you would if you were trying to look for some kind of remedy to an illness. So depending on your mood, you flick to the contents page and it'll say things like... Um, Self-image and self-acceptance might be a category. And then within that category, you can look up um, something for insecurity or self-recrimination uh, or making mistakes. And then it prescribes you a poem to read. Hmm. That, 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 which... That's, um, I, I had a Bible when I was a kid like that, I remember. It was like passages to read if you were feeling mm. lonely or feeling sad or whatever. Um, I think it's a really, really good idea. To be honest, you can't go too far wrong. What I'll do is... Um, I think I've closed the tab. No, it's actually... Oh, hang on. Maybe I did. One one second. This is now... The okay, yeah. What I'll do, what I'll do, Anne, is I will reply to your email with a more definitive list, but certainly look up Staying Alive, Unreal poem, Real Poems for Unreal Times, and um, The Poetry Pharmacy. Um, but then also have a look at the email that I'll send you and I'll recommend some stuff. Wow, there you go. Personal email. And I'll make sure that Dan, ha- I'll hold Dan to that um, by the scruff of his neck like a school bully. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and seeing as um, uh, you did back-to-back, shall I? I'll do one more back-to-back. Um, mm-hmm. well, let's have one more email. And this one is from um, Anyong. Oh, God. Eric Sands? Sands, I'm going to guess with... Um, uh, from Korea. Hello, Dr. Clark and Mr. Moore, Esquire, TBD. Um, is that TBD? Um, I don't know. It's bold, uh, it's bold sort of is. Uh, well, hang on, Esquire is when you don't have any other titles, right? Yes. So I guess you would be Esquire, wouldn't you? Uh, would I, I be suppose. Esquire? Even I don't, though I have the PhD, I, would I be Esquire? Um, I don't know how it works. I think because you've got a pre-nominal, you're all right. Because I obviously have post-nominals with my degree, but nothing pre. <laughs> so maybe. I think you can also just use a squire if you want to use a squire. Yeah. Dr. Simon Clark has And naturally, I always do. Um, so, sorry, that was the first line of the email. Um, <laughs> thank you very much for writing it, Eric. Uh, I have recently gotten into the podcast and it helped me have some interesting things to keep my brain busy while getting through the process of moving apartments in my city here in South Korea. I love all kinds of interesting random information podcasts and was able to get through the five most recent pods and they're fantastic. Please keep up the good work. Again, people think we're making good podcasts, Dan. What? 
Mm. What's wrong with them? Um, Very deluded. In Wikicast uh, 83, Dan mentioned Balloon, which was based on an East German family who escaped the GDR. The story sounded Mm. familiar as I'd seen a very similar film in my middle school days back in the early 2000s, and then it hit me. There was a 1982 Disney film on the same subject called Night Crossing. Which I, I have to oh. admit, I've never heard of that one. And fun factoid, no. one of the children who escaped in the balloon was a two-year-old. A two-year-old in a hot air balloon escaping, you know, like a political prison, basically. Wow. What a trooper. Um, yeah, absolutely. Also, since there is a whole team cat versus team dog, um, he does actually specifically say cats rule, but dogs are okay. I figured I'd share a quick Korean lesson for you two. Oh, my God. Yes. Oh, brilliant. I didn't see this coming. Go on, Simon. Oh, why did I pick this email? Okay. Um, uh, the Korean word for cat is... Uh, oh, uh, is Korean characters, which is said as go yang yi. Oh, I recognize the... Yeah, I remember this. So when I started... I, I, I started trying to learn Korean on Duolingo, and I remembered that the... Um, the, 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 the Like, how the vowels works. That last character is the e... Because the, the, well, I remembered it as the oval is up higher and it's like to the left. When when you say E, I tend to move the left side of my mouth up. I don't know if that's ah. like the logic, but that's how I remembered it anyway. So it's sibalic. So that's go yang e, And the word, probably saying that wrong. And the word for dog is a syllable, which is gay. But apparently younger Koreans are, per my Korean teacher, using the word, several characters, pronounced gang a ji. Gang a ji which means puppy. This is due to younger Koreans wanting to be more inclusive towards LGBTQ folk and so adjusting the language as to not offend anyone. So that's interesting. So like the fact... Oh, that's so nice. The fact that so it's, they're like retrofitting... Yeah, Korean too, because it's yeah. uh, because it's gay and in English that means something different. Um, so wow. But presumably like the word... That's just a coincidence, right? That must just be a coincidence. So, yeah. Yeah, like phonetic coincidence. Um, it's just a random tidbit I got fed and thought I'd share that. That's a wonderful. Like I was, yeah. wor- I was worried where this was going when I first saw what the original word for dog was. Um, but that's well. If there's any, we love random tidbits on this podcast, Eric, and you've absolutely nailed that. So thank you very much. I think it's safe to say that Eric has provided more content in this podcast than we have for the past hour. How dare you? Uh, so how dare you? I, my, our uh, our Wikipedia article about the RMS typhoon, RMAS typhoon was absolutely brilliant. <laughs> I'll have you know, um, no, Eric. Well, that, we, was, that was. I'm going to cut Eric off here before he accidentally educates us anymore. Sincerely, Eric. Uh, Sixteen million nine hundred twenty-two thousand nine hundred twenty-three minutes old at the time of writing, possibly less, thanks to the soju. Who knows? Soju is. I've I've got to say, I could, I could see myself drinking a lot more soju if I went back to South Korea. It was very very drinkable let's put it like that really yeah it's like it was you know how like some ciders you drink and it's like orange squash and it just doesn't feel Mm. alcoholic like soju is a bit like that you just didn't really get the alcohol sense from it golly but thank you very much for that eric and with that i think that's probably about soju is also apparently the name of a drag queen i just want to i want to put this in here soju is the stage name of tony Hyunsoo Ha, a South Korean-American drag queen, singer, and television slash YouTube personality. Oh, well. Anyway, Simon, what have we learned this week? Well, Dan, I thought that was the question I was going to ask you because I'm player one Ah. in the script. Of course, of course. (laughs) Let's do it again. Let's do it again. So, Dan, what have we learned today? 
I'm so glad you've asked, Tyrone. We learned about the RMAS Typhoon, ah, parentheses A95, an ocean-going tug of the Royal Maritime Auxiliary Service. Could you say tug um, a little bit more effusively there, please? An ocean-going tug. An ocean-going tug. <laughs> the tug the has Royal come. Maritime Auxiliary Service. Um, and I think we were all, frankly, astounded by how fascinating that article was. Quite literally um, life-changing. Most, most importantly, though, we learned about the Cod Wars. <laughs> Which were, which were truly spectacular. Um, I spoke about my choral piece of the week. Not only did I actually have one, um, but it's Officium from the Hilliard Ensemble, fe- fe- featuring a really interesting combination of early polyphony and saxophony. I guess, yeah. Yeah, why not? Um, you spoke about... Um, soul that Disney f- yeah. soul that's uh, it and about uh, how therapy and lessons generally are good um, mm-hmm. and we had some cracking correspondence including I think the MVP of the whole the whole podcast Eric for actually yeah. providing some education absolutely thank you Eric that's all for this episode don't forget to subscribe to us on our podcasting service of choice join the discord and if you'd like to see our faces and we will actually film something sometime soon if we're allowed check out our YouTube channel Spongy and Electric New Year's resolutions, reviews of the film Soul, and other thoughts on the show can be sent to us at spongyelectric at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Join us again for another tumble down the wiki rabbit hole. And and we'll we'll see see you next time. In the can. Boom, boom, and thricely boom. (laughs) In my room. (laughs) In the vestibule. So, <laughs> boom, boom, and thricely boom in the vestibule. Marvelous. I want you in my vestibule. I Actually, want you in my chamber. Uh, I want you in my. I want you in my my boudoir. <laughs> I desire you in my boudoir. We're going to be together, encased in cowhide leather. <laughs> <laughs>